Hello, my loves. Hello. Welcome to episode number seven of Wandering Roots. And this is the episode that almost wasn't. Um, Let me explain a little bit. You'll notice right off the bat, there was no intro music, no pretty lead in, no heavy editing in this one. This is me showing up on the actual day that I'm going to produce this podcast. And I'm just, I'm here doing it messy. And there's a reason for that. And I'm going to get into it. And I hope that this is illuminating to you um, because it's been just a real journey for me. So this episode, I want to cover two things. One is the extremism that we often experience, or I do at least, when I set goals for myself. And number two is a practice that I want to introduce you to that's been really fundamental to my own healing and mental health in the last two years that I believe is the antidote to some of the self-criticism that I often experience and the rigidity um, that I set in my own goal setting and my own life. Um, That's just been absolutely empowering. So I'm going to get into those two points. This is going to be a short and sweet episode. And I'm kind of looking forward to it. It's just me, unedited, unscripted, chatting with you guys, my sweet little audience. So the first thing that I wanted to talk to you about again was just, um, you know, it's interesting. The last week's episode, which I absolutely loved, I hope you had a chance to listen to it with my cousin Liz, we talked about goal setting and the importance of getting something on the calendar, of challenging ourselves. of just taking one little step at a time toward major goals. Hers was doing Ironman races, which I mean, talk about a big goal for oneself. Um, But this could apply to any goal that you have for yourself, whether you wanna, I don't know, get in better shape or eat healthier, or you want to develop a yoga practice, or you wanna meditate daily. Um, Just taking one step at a time towards those goals. And I am a huge believer in in setting goals and in achieving those things. I've seen what can happen when you make these small incremental changes in your life towards really some big life-altering shifts in how you go about your day-to-day. So this episode isn't to discredit any of that, but it is to maybe soften the edges of what can happen when, if you are like me, You tend to set goals and then jump full into the deep end, like feet first, cannonball right in there, and then um, proceed to just self-flagellate if you deviate from the course in even the smallest way. I don't know if that resonates with anyone. (laughs) I think a lot of us do this, though. You know, we're either on a really strict diet because we've just decided that we need to lose 10 pounds. And this is really, really critically important. This especially used to be a big part of my life. Um, 10, 20 years ago, um, I would get on these like really rigid, very um, systematic, structured eating plans. And I would journal everything out and I would count my calories and I would be so quote unquote good about it. Until I got tired of it or I missed a day. And then it was just like, well, forget it. 
it's too hard. I didn't really want to do that anyway. And I would just go back to my old habits, right? I think, again, this is really common practice. Or I'd be like training for a half marathon. I'd be sitting on the couch one day and then the next day think, I'm going to train for a half marathon. And I would run every single day for months until I ran the race. And then I was like, okay, I don't want to run ever again in my life. That was totally unenjoyable. So I do tend to be an extremist when I set goals. It's just who I am. I'm all in or I'm not in at all. And I've been mentally aware of this for a really long time. You know, I think you can notice your patterns and tendencies and sort of shake your head at yourself and think, oh my gosh, that's so silly. Why do I do that? Um, But it wasn't until recently, I think, that I really started to internalize why I actually do this. And um, so a couple things here. Number one, I believe the reason that I do this is because I'm obsessed with being good. And I think this is a neural pathway or a taproot in my personality that goes deep down into the soil. And perhaps it has a lot to do with my upbringing. Um, Maybe it has to do with just my innate personality. I don't know. But I've always sort of, even as a child, been really worried that I'm like in trouble for some reason. Again, I don't know if this resonates with anyone else, but I mean, down to the fact, you guys, if I was, imagine like 12-year-old Kendall hanging out on the couch at home reading a book and I would hear police sirens, I would have to reassure myself that the police were not coming for me. Why would I think this? I don't know. I was not a bad kid. I didn't ever get into trouble. I was just... um really obsessed with being on the quote unquote right side of things. I wanted to be pleasing to people. I wanted to be sort of without, I just wanted to be a person who was without fault in everybody's eyes. Um, Whether it was my pastor or my parents or my friends, my loved ones. I just wanted to be a person who everyone looked at and was like, oh yeah, Kendall, she's really upright. That was so important to me. And I think that plays in a lot in my adult life into why when I set goals, I want to be the best at staying on the course. Um, It's just, it's been something that's kind of plagued me my whole life. And in many ways, that's great, right? It's so great to be somebody that other people view as upright Also, it's totally exhausting and you can really get in your head about it. So funny story, last week, my husband and my daughter and I met my mom in Maui, which was so incredible. It was such a great trip. We had a lovely time. Um, I initially had planned when I left for Maui to have like a podcast episode just waiting in the ranks so that I would not miss a week this week when I got back because, you know, these things take time to record and edit and produce and all that stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have one ready to go. That way I won't need to do any work because we got home at like 7 a.m. on Saturday morning after a very long night of a flight and like a five-hour drive. So I just knew between getting home and work and watching my daughter and all the things, I was just not going to have time to do this. Um, But I didn't, I didn't have a podcast in waiting in the ranks because I, whatever, because life happens. And I was really getting down on myself for it. I was stressing out about it. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to miss a week. This is going to be terrible. And 
my sweet husband, who's just always the voice of reason and is not an extremist as I am, was like, okay, is anything bad going to happen if you miss a week? And I started explaining to him like, well, you really need to show up consistently. You know, you need to be there every single week. And I've made this goal for myself. And he was kind of like, yeah, but you're not going to get like kicked off podcast land, right? Like you're not actually going to get in trouble. And I just had this moment. I was like in Hawaii. I'm looking at the ocean. Everything. There's nothing wrong. Nothing bad is happening. In fact, all the good things are happening. It's a really, really good moment. And I was like, no, you know what? Nothing bad will happen. No one will lose any sleep if I miss an episode of this podcast. And I just felt like this huge weight lifted off my shoulders. And I've had moments like this in the past. Another funny story that came up when I was thinking about this is when my daughter was an infant, when she was a newborn, I used this app on my phone. I don't remember what it's called, but shout out to all the new moms out there who ever use apps to keep track of things. Um, I initially started using it because I was so insanely sleep deprived that I was constantly losing track of like which breast I had last fed her on. And so it helped me, um, like you pushed a button on the app when it was like you were feeding on the left side versus the right side. And it was really helpful when it was like two in the morning and I was like, okay, this is the side I need to feed her on. But it also had all these other features, like you could record when you changed her diaper and what kind of poop was in there. I mean, seriously, specifically you guys, like what was the texture and consistency? how many times she'd peed, when she went down for a nap, every single little thing. And so again, being the extremist that I am, I'm like, I'm going to keep track of everything. And so I would just, you know, I'd hit start when she started a nap and then stop. And then the app would tell me, oh, it's been about four hours. Based on her age, she should probably be going down again. And the nursing part of it too, I would time how long I was nursing on each breast. And then the app would give me these beautiful pie charts and like flow charts showing me what an amazing job I was doing tracking all of this. And I got really obsessive about it. And also probably because I was sleep deprived and out of my mind, I became more obsessed with it. I remember she was, you know, three or four months old and I'm sitting on my, on the couch with her. She was in my arms and I was trying to decide whether to feed her or not. And I'm looking at this app and I'm feeling really proud of myself for all the hard work I've done. It did like a four month in review thing. And I was like, oh yeah, look at this. I haven't, I've hardly missed a day. <laughs> and I just immediately started feeling this like sense of um, uncertainty and I don't know, absurdity about it where I'm like, Kendall, who are you going to turn this into? Like, who are you going to present this data to that's going to so impress them? Who are you even doing this for? There is there is literally no test. You have a newborn. You can feed her when she's hungry. You can put her down when she's sleepy. You don't need to consult anything. And I know maybe that sounds really, really obvious. Um, but, you know, I took my phone. I remember like throwing it on the other side of the couch and sort of laughing about the whole thing. And I never picked up that app again and it was great. But this, this moment sort of provided me with this gift of this mantra that I say now all the time, 
which is what I just said, and it is, there is no test. And it's simple and it's straightforward. And I cannot tell you how many days that it has gotten me through when I've just needed a gentle nudge or reminder that like everything's going to be okay. There's no test. And I apologize to any of you who are listening to this that are in a place in life where you actually still have tests, maybe through work or you're in school to get an advanced degree or something like that. So some of us do have tests, all right? I acknowledge that. But for most of us in our adult lives, there aren't tests. And yet we go through life acting as though there are, that there's going to be some accounting, that there's going to be some schoolmaster that we need to present our life to. And I'm just giving you a magical permission slip to shed that notion because there's no test. So if you're on some sort of diet, workout plan, if you're a parent, if you are, I don't know, trying to write a book or you're starting a podcast or you are, I don't know, starting to knit, whatever it is, and you set a goal for yourself, great job. I applaud you. Let's all do things in our life that um, make us feel healthy and full of integrity and in alignment. But if you become so dedicated to that task that you start believing that there is someone looking over your shoulder, taking an account of what it is that you're doing or trying to achieve, this is my invitation to take a breath and soften around that. Because I believe what happens in that moment is that we just begin to be guided instead of by uh, grace and joy and the feeling of being alive and really lit up. We're being guided by the inner self-critic that is trying to keep us in line, tell us that we're unworthy, that we're not good enough, that we need to measure up and we begin to should ourselves, right? That whole thing of like, stop shooting on yourself really comes in here. Um, it's okay to loosen the reins a bit. It is okay if you spent the day eating potato chips on the couch. It is okay if you, like me, made Christmas cookies over the weekend and ate them for most of your meals. Because let's be honest, frosted sugar cookies with sprinkles are probably the tastiest thing that exists in the universe. For me, at least. <laughs> it is okay. You only have a certain number of days on this earth. There are a finite number of cookies that you're going to eat in this lifetime and uh, that you're able to. So, hey, enjoy it. Enjoy your life. Enjoy yourself. Um, and stop being so freaking hard on yourself for not measuring up to some standard that you yourself have set that may or may not even be serving you at this moment. So that is my big permission slip. That's my number one is that there's no test. You're not in trouble. And um, we're all going to be okay. <laughs> even if we're producing podcast episodes that are totally unedited on the fly. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's great. Let's all play a little bit more perhaps and have a little bit more laughter and levity in our lives. So that's the number one thing that I wanted to impart on this beautiful day that we're having today, wherever you are. The second thing that I really want to pass along to you guys, my loves, is a practice that I started about two years ago that has 
really fundamentally changed the way that I feel towards myself. And I say that really specifically towards myself, not about myself. There's a difference there. The way we feel about ourselves is often a list of things that we could say maybe about our accomplishments or achievements of who we are or personality traits. Those are the ways we feel about ourselves. I mean our attitudes towards ourselves. How do you feel towards the soul that exists inside of you? Is there a softening there? Do you feel critical of it? Um, How do we actually fall in love with ourselves? And I have developed this practice. In fact, it's not mine. I have um, adapted a practice, I should say, where I have begun writing letters to myself from the voice of unconditional love. And I'm going to explain how I do this and where I came upon this practice here in just a minute. But it's changed my life. It really has. It's been probably the, one of the most important things that I've ever um, implemented on a regular basis to change change the way that my inner thoughts and inner dialogues inner, that I interact with them on a daily basis. So I came by this practice by the beautiful, luminous writer, Elizabeth Gilbert, who many of you are already familiar with. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love, and it was on the New York Times bestseller list for like a decade. <laughs> I don't I don't think that long, but um, she sold like 20 million copies of that book. And it's a great one. And she's written other really wonderful books, but she's just someone who, um, she's been a real guiding light to me in my life and to many other people. She's so authentically herself. She's so radically honest about her own imperfections and struggles. And I was listening to her on a podcast a while ago, and she was um, describing this practice that she's done uh, for over 20 years now, I believe. She's been doing it a really long time. And she read a letter that she had written from Unconditional Love to herself that had me in absolute tears. In fact, I listened to the episode three or four times in a row because I was so... I was so taken by how much this letter that she had written to herself also felt deeply personal to me. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to try it. And so I began writing these love letters to myself from the voice of unconditional love. And it sounds really simple and it is, and it's also profoundly healing. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert incidentally started a Substack community a couple months ago called Letters from Love, and she introduced this practice to sort of the greater world, and she has invited everybody to join her. If you're unfamiliar with Substack, um, it's like a a newsletter that certain authors, poets, just people who want to have really cool communities outside of traditional social media circles have created. Um, it's a lot different than like Instagram or Facebook or anything in that, um, number one, there's usually a small subscription fee, which I really appreciate because it actually kind of weeds out all the trolls and all the people who don't really have skin in the game who like to have opinions with a capital O about things on uh, social media because social media can be a real uh, fearsome, toothy place. And so what happens is every week, She shares a letter that she has written from love to herself, and she invites a guest along to share theirs. 
And then she invites her community to share their own letters. And I'm actually going to go over to her Letters from Love substack right now and read to you what she has written about how to write these letters. And then I'm going to share one of mine. That's what I'm doing today. So what you do when you're wanting to start this practice is very simple. And this is a quote from her on her substack. So again, these are Liz Gilbert's words, not mine. Um, but I think she describes it so well because, you know, she's a writer and this is um, something she's really familiar with. So she says, find a quiet moment when you can still your thoughts a bit. If you're feeling separated from love, maybe read a poem or a piece of writing that moves you and opens your heart or think about a person or an animal who you find easy to love. Let your heart soften. Let that love in. Open up a notebook. I find it's most intimate to write this by hand, but you can use a laptop if you like. And write down this one question. Dear love, what would you have me know today? I'll repeat that. Dear love, what would you have me know today? And then allow the answer to come. What would unconditional love tell you if it had a voice? What does your heart need to hear today in this exact moment? Where is the suffering? And what does it long to be told? What reassurance or comfort does your spirit need? Let the words come. If you are feeling stuck, imagine what you would say to a dear and beloved friend if they needed comfort or reassurance. Write those words, but to yourself. Don't overthink this. Don't work on this. Don't take more than five minutes to write, or else it will stop being an intuitive practice and it will start being an intellectual one. The goal here is to put your brain on a shelf and connect with love directly. After all, this is heart work, not head work. And don't try to do any fancy writing. This isn't a place to show what a gifted writer you are. This is not meant to be artful. It's just a practice in which you reach out to your own soul, from your own heart, from a position of simple friendliness and affection. We want to hear the voice of unconditional love speaking through you, from you, toward you, and as you. If the practice feels self-conscious or unnatural, just think for a moment about how easy it is to listen and believe your most negative thoughts. We tend to not question the, legit the legitimacy of those critical, cynical voices, do we? You can ask these, those voices to step aside for a bit while you connect with love. Tell them you'll be back. They'll still be there waiting, though my hope is they become weaker with every letter. Give it a try just for a few minutes. Another way to tap into your direct line into love is to use endearments for yourself. It is human nature to create sweet nicknames for people and animals we love, but so rare that we apply them to ourselves. In the first few days of this public exercise, I was delighted to read letters here in which people referred to themselves as my little pebble, my pal, my sweetest baby birdie, little piglet, my little pot sticker, honey pookie, my little humbug, my Valkyrie, my sweet pea, my little boy, my anxious little squirrel. Have fun with your endearments. Try to be truly open without fear or embarrassment. In other words, let your guard down, my anxious little squirrels. If the practice still feels unnatural to you, let it go for right now. Try again in an hour or in a day or in a week. Love will be there waiting for you and so will we. I mean, how can you not love that? Um, that is the invitation. And if you want to join this community, I will put a link in my show notes um, and on my Instagram page to the Substack community. I believe it's 50,000 strong right now, which is really incredible. But um, 
sometimes we do this prompt of just dear love what would you have me know today and sometimes she does a more specific one you can ask love about um anything really that is on your mind or on your heart you can ask it about fear or you can ask it about suffering like these big esoteric themes or you can ask it about body image um you can ask it about anxiety um and see what comes up what i find really fascinating in this community and certainly all 50,000 people are not sharing their letters. If you if you go over to her Substack, you'll find um, maybe two or 300 people share their letters every week. But what's really beautiful, number one, to me is the, um, the universal voice of love in these letters is astounding. When I listen to love speaking through all of these humans all over the globe, there's something about it that resonates as... Um, as really connected and similar. It's always compassionate, non-judgmental, non-cynical. It can be fierce and very direct, um, but it's so maternal and um, obviously loving, um, but in such a specific way that is really amazing. The other thing I find is that even when there's no prompt, it's just tell us your letter from love, there's often a really similar theme in all of these letters every week. It's like love is telling all of us to slow down one week or to pay attention to our lives and be more present. And I find that really great and kind of magical. So um, that's where I've been at. That's been something that I've been doing. And I'm going to share with you guys the letter I just wrote. Um, took me five minutes, as Liz said, to do. Um, and she gave a specific prompt this week to ask, she asked her, herself, she asked, um, her unconditional love to tell her about social media. And I loved that because it's not a big esoteric theme. It's really, really specific, but it's something that we all deal with on a really regular basis or most of us. Some of you rock stars out there have no social media accounts and I applaud that. Um, but most of us are entangled in it in some way or in another. And so... I decided to join her in this prompt asking about social media because it's been something that I have struggled with over the years, whether I should be extreme and just um, delete all of my apps and go completely dark or whether I should actively engage and try and get a bunch of followers. Um, there's both sides of that pendulum. So I was really curious to hear what would come up. And I'm a big believer in showing rather than just telling. So I thought I would show you guys what these letters look like. And who knows, maybe this will be something that I do more of in the coming weeks. Because as I said, it's been a really profound practice and I'm always amazed at what comes up. So, so here we go. And like I said, I'm doing this unedited. So you may even hear the flipping of my notebook pages since I wrote this in a real notebook because I'm a good student. <laughs> and this is what I said, dear love. Tell me about social media. And love said to me, My sweet angel, I love the creative way in which you seek community. The laughter that alights your eyes when you connect with someone who surprises you with hilarity when you're scrolling. Sometimes you cry and sometimes you're overcome with the beauty all around you because you watched a video of a puppy and a cow snuggling in a big grassy field together and you thought everything is right with the world. The world is full of wonders, my daughter. Now more than ever, you have a direct window into that creativity and luminosity. 
right at your fingertips at all hours of the day. These are good and magical things, little bee. But, and you knew there would be a but, didn't you, darling? Please be gentle with your heart. It was never meant to carry all of the pain of the world. And you know it is not good to measure your worth by metrics, sweet pea. Likes and follows are lovely when you can accept them as nods and smiles from fellow wayfinders, but they do not amount to much more than that. They do not measure love. I am not there, sweet one. I am here, close as your breath, always. All I want is to be near to you, to see the world through your curious, creative, compassionate eyes. Look at your screen with my eyes, sweetie. You'll see it then with a softness and ease that you didn't see before. Delight in all of your work and then put it down. Sit down with me and look at the sparkle of the snow and rest in my approval of you, regardless of your reception or productivity or consistency. There is no test, remember? There is nothing to prove and you do not need to give me your very best effort. I love you when you're making art and in the flow, and I love you when you're eating cookies on the couch, watching reality TV. You don't have to do anything to impress me. I'm undone by my adoration of you in all your messy glory. Show up or don't, baby girl. Just do or don't do whatever it is in peace and with a grounded ease because you know in your bones you are good and you are just exactly where I want you to be. So there you have it, my friends. That is my letter from love this week. And I hope that this is something you join me in. Um, if you're curious about it, if you're not, that's totally fine. We all have our things that we do to sort of help ground us. But I will say, if you're a person who struggles with that critical negative voice, if you give it a lot of weight in your world, if it has a lot of inner kind of currency, um, maybe try this instead because ever since I started allowing love to replace that narrative on a daily basis, I have noticed profound shifts in how much grace that I give myself when I feel like I'm not meeting some invisible mark that I have set for myself because love does not seem to have that mark for me. Um, love delights in me whether I am achieving or not achieving and um, love delights in you the same way. I can assure you that you do not have to be good, that you do not have to give your best effort, that you only need to just be who you are, be present to your life, maybe infuse a little bit more humor and levity into your day-to-day -day comings and goings and that we're all going to be okay. Even if we miss podcast episodes or we, um, you know, fall off the bandwagon, so to speak, of whatever wagon we have placed our butts on. So I, I just wanted to say that I love you all, that I hope you have a fantastic day. And thanks for joining me in the messy middle, so to speak. All right. Peace and love. Bye.